You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. This is with the first pick the CBS Sports NFL Draft Podcast. This is episode 101. I'm Ryan Wilson. That, of course, is Rick Spielman. And today it's Popper Drop Tuesday, where we take a look back at last week's college games to hit the highlights, and in some cases the lowlights. We'll talk Ohio State, Michigan, and they could have Rick 20-something players drafted by the time it's all said and done. Any I, thoughts? I, yeah, I would say, and not all of them are going to come out. But I would say over 40 of those kids that played over the next two years will be drafted by the NFL. Crazy. So we'll talk a little bit of that game because there are a ton of guys uh, that are going to come out of that game that will be in the draft conversations in the coming weeks and perhaps years. And that starts, of course, with quarterback J.J. McCarthy. We'll also talk Drake May, who lost for the second week in a row, lost to Clemson last week. We talked about that for a little bit. Uh, Had a tough outing against NC State in his last regular season quotation marks game for for Chapel Hill. Uh, He'll probably play in the bowl game, I believe, which makes Rick incredibly happy, no doubt. And we'll talk a few other names as well who had good weekends uh, in the college scene. And as always, we'll look back at the rookie quarterback performances and rank our top five overall rookies from week 12. You won't believe this, Rick, but uh, Debo was pushing Jalen Carter incredibly hard as to make the top five list based on his performance and the Eagles performance. I did a state. I watch. I got a chance this morning. As a, in, in case you're listening and wondering why I sound nasalier than I usually sound, I've been under the weather, so I Rick's gonna have to carry this team. Look at him hemming and hawing. So as Debo said, he's got to be the Scotty so Pippen today. Healthier lifestyle and took care of yourself. Look at that. Look, look, Rick. <laughs> is that MJ? Who is that, Debo? Yeah, that's that M- MJ's flu game. MJ's flu game. So if you're oh, listening, like Grant that, or uh, Billy Pulp. Who's Billy Polk? Uh, Pulp. Wasn't he one of those like really bad body guys, white guys that played in the <laughs> NBA for a long time? <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah, maybe, maybe. But if you're listening, uh, Diva put up an image of the great Michael Jordan sitting on the bench. He looks a little overweight and puffy there. <laughs> he does with my head superimposed on that body. Uh, I don't want to get sidetracked quickly, but I heard this during the um, the Ravens-Chargers game. Mike Tarico talked about Kyle Hamilton, the the safety from Notre Dame who came into their meeting and Kyle Hamilton was, was he's probably 22, 23 years old. And he came in and maybe Rick, you, you know more about NBA than I do, but I watched it growing up. Kyle Hamilton insists that LeBron is better than MJ. And I don't want to spend too much time on this, but Rick, do you have any thoughts on that? I don't get Debo's thoughts because Debo is the NBA nerd on this podcast. I would say that LeBron is better than MJ. Oh, if I had to take the t- one of the two, like you're prejudiced because you're from North Carolina. So I would say that LeBron over his entire career, the championships he's won um, has been more of an impact. And I mean, you're talking about 
icon versus icon. So you can't lose with either one. But I think I would take LeBron. Are you an NBA fan? Like, do you watch a lot of NBA or just depends? I, I watch it after the draft. Oh, okay. So you, you watch it. I, I, don't... I, you know, I flick it on at night. Uh, you know, uh, I'm not allowed to have crowd noise because uh, I like to watch TV when I go to bed at night. My yeah. wife does not like the crowd noise. So we end up <laughs> watching you're... Hallmark movies. But she hates right. those anyway. But at least there's no crowd noise. But when I am traveling and in a hotel, I do like to watch the NBA games. So, Debo, do you agree with Kyle Hamilton? I agree with Kyle and I wow. agree with Rick. Wow. Now, and you, everyone's defense, but mine, I haven't watched NBA in 20 years, so I don't have any real sense. I know who, obviously that LeBron's been great and he's pay, played for almost two decades, if not more. So I don't know, but MJ was just so incredibly special, but okay. If you guys say so. Did you know? I think that, it applies. Go no, ahead, Rick. No, that uh, LeBron James uh, played high school 30 minutes from my home at Eckerd St. Vincent, St. Mary's before he entered the NBA draft. So that was 2003. Where were you in 03? 03. Were you in Miami or you were? In Miami. Okay, yeah. Because he came out. I think that was his rookie. I think he was 18 or 19 that year. What were we going to say, Debo? I just think there's this thing that happens across sports where a certain group of people, no matter what happens, if, if someone is clearly, clearly better than Michael Jordan in, in another 20 years, they won't admit it. Like In 50 yeah. years, there might be someone better than Tom Brady, but you know, the way people's minds work, they will never admit that someone better than Jerry Rice. It, it, it may not happen, but the way that sports are progressing, like LeBron and MJ are close, but if someone comes down the line, it, these like preconceived notions that no one will ever be better. I, I think people are stuck in that. Yeah, no, I agree with that. What, what episode will that be 50 years from now when we're discussing this? <laughs> oh, <again? God. laughs> uh, it might be 200. <laughs> might have to take a break. Good Lord. Can you imagine? That would be something. All right. Back, Marvin back Harrison, to uh, the Marvin Harrison Jr. episode when since Rick has right. him in the Hall of Fame. I have him yeah. in the Hall of Fame. Yeah, that is true. Rick loves him some Marvin Harrison Jr. It's hard not to. Uh, and By the way, we'll talk a little uh, draft order at the end of the episode focus on the commanders just to see what their prospects are. And they are currently bleak because they have the fifth overall pick as we sit here. They fired Jack Del Rio, the defensive coordinator, Ron Rivera appears to be safe for now, but we'll get into that in a little more uh, momentarily. But before we go any further, Rick, if you're watching us on the old YouTubes at NFL and CBS, you can see on the official with the first pick draft countdown board. What we got? 149 days until the 2024 NFL draft. And we're out of numbers because 101, I think we can't say who was famous for 101. Yeah, so I don't know how we start that. count down like on 49 because I know that's 49 more days before you feel sick every time we do this podcast. <laughs> I will I will tell you, you. Start reversing it. Was there a famous 49 off the top of your head? 49 is a good one. I don't know. Like Troy Polamalu made 43 famous before that. I don't think there are any 43s. 49 feels like a fullback number or a backup linebacker or a long snapper and off the top of my head no 49s come to mind but we can uh, do that yeah next show let's do a 48 who was yeah. the most famous 48 you'd like to come up with it seems like that's your shtick which i don't understand and it. it's not very entertaining but if that's your stick that's your stick we'll move on in life you have the worst bedside manner of any doctor i said that to you before for some reason too you're terrible <laughs> like yeah, I get, get up <laughs> get up get out there run around all right look uh by the way if you missed it, last week, Rick and I did a 2023 NFL redraft of the top 14 picks. 
knowing everything we know now and with the final 2023 NFL draft order, uh, who are we taking where? A little spoiler alert, CJ Stroud went first overall, but you can check out the other 13 picks in the old podcast feed. Rick didn't love all of my picks. You, I should let you know that now, just so you're not surprised when you listen well, to it. That was nice about it. Were you? Yeah. Okay. Was I nice? Debatable. <laughs> uh, and remember, and we still have some names coming in, so keep those coming in. Uh, leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. Nominate an FBS or FCS college player who is draft eligible, and we'll evaluate his prospects on an upcoming show. And just to reiterate, we did get some comments, but they forgot to leave the name of the player. So just make sure you go back and do that because I don't want to make you feel slighted because um, I want to get to that name. And finally, if you like what we do here, be sure to tell a friend if one of your buddies has a team that's no good and is already thinking about the 2024 NFL Draft. This is the show for them. And while you're at it, take a second to hit the old thumbs up on the YouTube machine to spread the word. All right, Rick, it's go time. That's kind of hard to evaluate a five-star without a name, isn't it? Yeah. It was a very nice compliment, uh, co- uh, comment, too, on, on liking the show and uh, all the nice things you say about me, but then they forgot to leave the name. I don't want them to feel slighted. I want to make sure that we get to them because I appreciate the, them taking the time, and I want to make sure we take the time to, to pay them back. You, you are like – that's why you are uh... – you, who you are. You're just a I'm nice, Michael Jordan's flu game and you're Scotty. A Pippen. fine young man, as you used to say before you got killed every time you said that last time. We gotta yeah, I gotta come up with some new ones. You are a fine young man. I will say, while I was feeling under the weather, I still did my duties. I did the podcast on Sunday night for pick six at one in the morning. I did HQ three times yesterday. I just didn't have I didn't have the Rick Spielman like laser focused to watch all the all these guys. So I was only only able to watch the the pro guys. So you will have to carry the water on the on the college guys. Do you I'm actually like, carry water? Have you ever been sick? It seems like you don't get sick because you're so healthy. <laughs> I actually take care of myself. I try to go to bed nine thirty every night. Yeah. I exercise every day. I actually yeah eat kind of somewhat healthy, except for my two cookies and a glass of milk every night. Two cookies, a glass of milk every night. That's right. You, you only drink Michelob Ultra with ice. On ice. On ice. On ice. That's right. Yep. I don't want to get drunk. <laughs> uh, Devo, I, I know we're wasting time here, but this is a story worth telling. Last year, the combine, we were downstairs at the bar at the, the big hotel there. And, and Rick knows everybody. So he's rubbing elbows and it's getting late. It's probably 945. And Rick decides to go for Michelob Ultra number three, which is unheard of in Rick Spielman circles. And next morning, I think we had to be there like at 8 a.m. or something on set to start interviewing the players. And here comes Rick at 7.49, sprinting around the corner. His hair's a mess. He overslept because he had 2.5 Michelob Ultra. So he's not joking. Uh, he's only allowed two Michelob Ultra. Oh, your limitations. <laughs> but you were on time. You, you were late. I'll give you that. All right, let's do it. Ohio State, Michigan, let's start there. Uh, yeah, this has to be incredibly frustrating if you're Ryan Day having to answer all these questions about why Ohio State can't beat Michigan while Michigan's coaches has been suspended for all that stuff going on there. But let's start with uh, J.J. McCarthy. Talked about him last week in that game against Maryland where it uh, didn't look great. We sort of talked about that. Uh, they found a way to win, as they should have, 31-24. But he was only 12-23 in that game, had an interception. This Saturday, though, 16-20. Only 148 yards. Did have the touchdown. No interceptions there. Didn't didn't run really much. Four carries for 17 yards. But you felt like this was a bounce back game for JJ McCarthy because he knows how to win. 
and it doesn't you don't have to have gaudy stats in order to win football games. He is very efficient running that offense. He makes the throws in critical situations when he needs to make them. Did he miss some throws down the field? Yes. The touchdown throw, whether it was an interception or not. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. That pass between two defensive backs was incredible and, and very accurate. But he just knows how to win games. And you don't need to put up gaudy stats to say that you're a winner because we want to blame the quarterbacks all the time. Well, I threw for 350,000 yards this game. They <laughs> lost, though. He stunk. I threw for 148 yards this game. Okay, he didn't have uh, great stats, but they still won. The reason I want to give J.J. McCarthy credit is because he makes plays in critical situations in the game. So whether it's a short throw on third down, he makes the throw. Whether it's with his legs, he converts the ball. He converts a first down and keeps the ball moving down the field. So I don't think you should judge a quarterback just based off of gaudy numbers. I think you should judge him based on his win percentage and how he performs in critical situations during the game. And the best thing about it, he is doing what they're asking him to do. They're not asking him to throw the ball 52 times a game. They're winning games because that's how their team is built. And J.J. McCarthy is the perfect general for that offense, and that's why they've been so successful. All right, let me back up and ask you about the touchdown to Roman Wilson. Who And Roman Wilson's... To his credit, we did him on one of our five stars, I think, or we did talk about him. Absolutely. He was a five star to his credit. He the ball may have been intercepted by Denzel Burke. We don't know, but he jumped up and acted like it was a touchdown. So good sell job by him. Great play by Denzel Burke, the the cornerback we've talked a lot about who I didn't love over the summer and who's played much better this year. I thought he had a pretty good game having not going back and watched it, just watched it live. Uh, but that throw. I wonder if J.J threw it before he knew the linebacker was going to turn around because he didn't see the linebacker sort of double covered. Do you think that was a good throw or a lucky throw? I think it was a good throw. Anyone that spins the ball and puts it between two defenders like he did, why? why, it's like you. You're a pessimist. Why don't you give the guy credit for making a great throw? It was a great throw. I just want to double check because those are questions. Look, you're asking those questions in the room. When you're going through them, you're not just saying, oh, it's a great throw. Let's move on. All right, let's push it a step further because we go back and forth every week. Uh, you like J.J. a little better than I do. I don't think that's anything speaking out of school, as the kids say. Where is he? Is he a first-round pick for you? or Because he's had some rough outings. And look, maybe your point that what he's being asked to do doesn't necessarily translate to the next level. That's fair. That seems to be a case of a lot of Michigan players on both sides of the ball. But are you taking a first-round flyer on J.J. McCarthy? I think based off what he's been asked to do yeah. and his win percentage, and they do have a very talented football team, there's no question about that, that I think he would be in consideration definitely uh, in the first round. Okay. Now, uh, lower in the first or where it is, I don't know. But as at this point of the season and everything that we know about him, that I would definitely consider him there. Okay. Yep, and the athleticism, there's no doubt about it. The arm strength, no doubt about that. Um, doesn't throw with a ton of anticipation. We've talked last week about the layering, but whatever. We'll get to that in the coming weeks and months. We've got 149 days, 49 days till Rick starts being mean to me, apparently. Um, but bounce back game for J.J. because the Maryland game, it wasn't great. Um, speaking of not great, let's go to, to Raleigh, North Carolina, where Drake May 
and that UNC team did not show up for the first 30 minutes against UNC uh, against NC State. Excuse me. Tried to salvage it in the second half. Finished 22 of 38 for 254 yards, two touchdowns, two interceptions. One by Peyton Wilson, the guy we've talked about before, who's a really smart, good football player. I think he's had an injury history and slight of frame, so we'll see how that shakes out in terms of his draft prospects. But he's a he's a great player. Uh, Drake also had to win with his legs, nine rushes for 106 yards and another touchdown. So I've talked to scouts about this throughout the fall, just about coming back to Drake May, trying to figure out who he is. And the, what I keep hearing is that new offense, not a lot of players around him. Tez Walker was late to join the party because of the NCAA silliness that they were trying to figure out. And it's a situation where, like Will Levis, you have to go back and look the year before to get a true sense of who Drake May is. Where are you on Drake May? Because these last two games against Clemson and NC State have not been. I disagree been. with you 100%. I don't think you have to go back and look at last year to see. Okay. What I think he's had a good year. Does he have the weapons around him that he had last year? No. Is it okay. the same team as last year? No. So I'm going to uh, respectfully disagree with you, and I don't want to take it any further because you're sick. Just suck it up through the show if you could. <laughs> <laughs> what are we dealing with here? <laughs> well, when I watched this game, both those interceptions did come in the fourth quarter. Uh, one was a deflection. The other one went off the receiver's hands, even though the ball was thrown a little bit behind him. That was another deflection. His athleticism for his size continues to show up week in and week out. He doesn't have a lot of protection. He made some great throws uh, off schedule, throwing to his left. The arm talent is there. He missed some easy layup throws as well. Was it his best performance? No. But if you're going to be critical and, you know, now's the time after the season till this draft, everybody is – no one in this league in college coming in the draft can play because NFL teams will start yeah. poking holes in everybody from left to right until draft day, and then everybody's back in love with them. So yep. kind of like a Hallmark movie. So – um but I think that this kid has too much talent, too much size, too much athleticism for size, too much, like I said, the arm talent is there. Some of the decisions, maybe he's forcing it because they don't have as good a football team as they've had in the past, but I'm not going to uh, discredit uh, what he's done on the field. Okay, that's fine. And just to clarify, you're so ready to jump down my throat. I I said these are conversations I have with scouts about – trying to evaluate him. I think that he's, I wouldn't say he's had a good year. I would say it's been up and down. Is Let me ask the year last year. Yes. I'll agree with you 100%. But if you're saying, well, you got to throw out this year because he was dog crap no. all year. That's <laughs> not true. Uh, who had a better year and you can measure better. However you want to Caleb or Drake. Drake. No, Caleb. I'm taking Caleb. <laughs> Too late. You already said Drake. You can't take it back. Caleb. I'm going to uh, clip that. Yeah. I think Caleb too. I think Caleb's got a lot more heat for the team's losing a lot more at USC. His dad's going to be a talking point. Uh, maybe he's a little quirky. The the sideline facial expressions. He wasn't ever yelling at anyone. Drake feels much more polished. Steady. steady is that what you said? Yeah. Yeah. I don't. Yeah. I don't. Yeah. Maybe it, it's going to be one of these things. Uh, I have to guard against letting people in the media and on social media make me angry about one player the next. So I'm going to love them both equally. Like they were both my kids, Rick. That's how I'm, that's that's how I'm going to pray. That's so that's the way to go. All right. Uh, I'm going to put this to you and hold on to your squeeze ball. You got your big beach ball ready. You know, it burst on me. <laughs> I was doing a show 
and I was squeezing that giant ball, <laughs> and the thing is filled with like glue. So like this white got all over you. Came all over my shirt, all over my notes. It was maybe the most horrendous thing that I've ever experienced in my life. It was it was in the middle of the show, yet I was able to still focus and concentrate. So the big squeeze ball did not last more than a week and a half. You think that I get the uh, I don't want to say upset that I bite my tongue while someone had said something on the show I was doing and I started squeezing harder and the thing burst on me everywhere. Can you can you believe it wasn't me that said it? That's a, that's the most amazing part of that story. Was, was this show on video? No. <laughs> <laughs> I love that the uh, anti-anxiety ball made you incredibly anxious because it didn't work properly. It got all over your clothes. Yeah. Yeah. Now I got squeeze balls that make me anxious. <laughs> <laughs> well, all right. I don't know. Hold on to your chair, I guess. I I'm going to throw this at you. Any chance Jaden Daniels goes before Drake May? No. Okay. Well, you pause. That's good, at least. No, I, I was trying to think of... Uh, Absolutely not. No hesitation, no pause. Absolutely not. Absolutely not. Okay. All right. No, no hesitation on that. Sorry right. for misinterpreting my hesitation because I was trying to decipher that you would even ask me a question like that. Taking a deep breath. I got it. Okay. All right. Let's talk about another quarterback who's who's had a pretty good year. We've talked about him several times early on in the fall. <coughs> Excuse me. Uh-oh. Uh, watch us take loss a few up. games. Let's go. <laughs> Get ready, Scotty Pippen. Washington State's lost a few games since we last talked about him, but uh, quarterback Cam Ward. And I think he's gotten better over the nearly two years he's been in Washington State. Transferred from FCS Incarnate Word, I believe. I always forget the name of the school, Incarnate Word. Saturday against Washington, 32 of 48, three touchdowns, two interceptions. He is, in the truest sense of the word, a gunslinger. And uh, sometimes he's happy to leave the pocket and run around when he doesn't necessarily need to. But he he makes plays as well, so it's a mixed bag. I don't know how that's going to translate to the next level in terms of being able to trust him to, to play within the offense. But for now, uh, he's been a fun watch. Any how do, we've talked about him, and I think day for me, late day two, early day three for you. Does that sound right? Yeah, I, I think this kid has to come back if he has a oh, year. Oh, interesting. Right. Okay, how come? I want him to come back because I think he's going to be stacked behind five or six of these guys. Yeah. I think that's next true. year, if he comes back as another year, he could really improve his draft stock. I don't know what the quarterback class looks like next year, but he would be up there, I think, with another solid year. Um, you know, a couple of the, uh, the, the two interceptions that I saw, they were poor throws. They were behind the receiver. Um, so he need, I just have issues with his accuracy. I think that he, like a Bo Nix, came back this year and from where he was last year and how he jumped into potentially Heisman Trophy winner, potentially first-round draft pick as he continues, especially with that uh, Pac-12 championship game coming up. That'll be a fun game to watch between Penix and him in the rematch. But I think Cam Ward, if he comes back, which I do believe he should come back, and if he can make the strides that uh, Bo Nix did, at Oregon, that he will definitely improve his draft stock. I don't question the arm talent. I don't question the athleticism. I I do question the consistency, and I do question the accuracy, and I think that can improve with another year at the college level. So I thought I saw this headline. I just looked it up quickly, talking about next year's draft class. So I'm going to ask you to rank these guys. Should, Shador. Shador is coming back. I don't think that's changed. So Shador's in the conversation. 
I was looking up Quinn Ewers because there's a some reports on there that he he you think he's coming back? I think he should. He may. So th- there's a talking point that he may come back. So let's do Shador. Let's do Quinn Ewers. Uh, let's do Cam Ward and let's do Riley Leonard, who also I heard may be in the transfer portal. Uh, that's a report. I don't know if that's confirmed yet. So yeah, where he may be transfer portaling all the way to Texas A and M. Yeah, where his new coach, Mister Elko, is going to land. Um, Van Dyke in the uh, transfer portal as well. And Van Dyke, who yeah. I think is twenty eight years old. Yeah. So those five players, rank them for me, like in next year's you, draft. Ewers probably. You think ahead of Shador? Oh, I forgot. Shador, Ewers, Ewers, then probably Ward, and then if uh, I think. If you're based off of this year's tape, and then your Duke phenom that you've loved for two years, that Riley can't Leonard. Throw yet, and then uh, the last person would be Van Dyke, who I think is just a guy. Yeah, Van Dyke. We keep asking questions, and then he comes back, and we have more questions. So I don't know what the solution is. But the solution um, is just. <laughs> yeah, don't say it. Don't say it. <laughs> don't say it. <laughs> All right. Next up. So Cam Ward, we'll see if he comes back. The guys are starting to announce their their well, that's, NFL. That's like when I'm sitting there, if I'm one of these guys and I look at all these quarterbacks coming out this year, which I think you agree with me is a pretty strong draft class. Yep. Why wouldn't you just go play another year, take an insurance policy out, and all of a sudden you potentially could definitely improve your draft stock if since you're probably behind a lot of those guys that we're going to be talking about in the upcoming months. Yeah, Bo Nix did that, and it worked out. And there's also the NIL money, which is a an added incentive. You're and not going to make money as well. I know a lot of these colleges will take insurance policies out on some of these kids as well. Right, and it may not be Caleb Williams like NIL money, but it's certainly more than than you had above the table in previous years. All right, next up, LSU's Malik Neighbors catching passes from LSU's Jaden Daniels, who in my mind could be quarterback too. Rick doesn't want to hear that. No, he, he missed throws this last game. Uh, Texas A&M is who LSU played, and that game was a lot closer than it should have been. Six catches for 122 for Malik, and I guess two touchdowns. The question I want to ask you is, what does number two wide receiver class look like? Because it's pretty tight-knit after Marvin Harrison Jr. goes first overall. Yeah, neighbors, and again, it's Jaden Daniels and his improvement as a quarterback, but I had nine out of the last ten games he had plus 100 receiving yards. <laughs> is that good? That's that's pretty good. That's pretty good. Uh roadmap on historical production uh this year and i think he's fast he's twitchy has great hands great athlete after the catch to me right now he is my number two receiver behind marvin harrison jr then you can put a dunze in there uh number three and then the rest of them the coleman's of the world of florida state uh although i think he's does not look the same he did before the injury and what I believe he had some kind of ankle sprain and he didn't look as explosive. So I think he's fallen behind some of these other guys, the two Texas kids, um, worthy and, um, Mitchell, yeah, Mitchell. And then you throw in your Oregon flash, um, Mr. Franklin. And what about your, your South Carolina flash, Mr. Leggett, Mr. Leggett. So it's a pretty good heap of receivers right there packed together after Marvin Harrison Jr., but I would say right now Neighbors would be my number two off of his production and what he has shown this year. Let's take a look back. We talked about this during the redraft show last Thursday. So last year's draft class with the the wide receivers that went 
Number 20 was Jackson Smith and the Jigba. 21 was Quentin Johnston. 22, I think, was Zay. And then 23 was was Jordan Addison. Either Jordan or Zay or Zay or Jordan to, to, to finish it up. In retrospect, we, we have a better sense of how that should have unfolded. I don't want to say anyone missed on anyone because it's still kind of early. Guys are battling injuries. Guys are battling new positions and new teams. But it certainly feels like Zay and Jordan should have been the first two taken. Is there any lesson to be learned when we look to this draft class about missing out on things or that's just the, the nature of playing football yeah it, it is but you know those guys were good receivers it it's it depends on how the draft falls because if there's you know the tackles went first before the receivers did right and usually there's a uh glutton of receivers to work through you yep. know you know the puka phenom you know, where they got him. Lucas Spielman. Uh, <laughs> yeah. so that, there's always option at receivers, usually on Friday as well. So they may slide down the draft, unless they're unique and special. Harrison Jr., Marvin Harrison Jr., whatever you want, he is a Hall of Famer. You oh, can boy. go ahead and book your ticket to Canton when he's done playing, if he stays healthy. Quick Harrison, that kid. After that, <laughs> uh, I believe it's neighbors because of his speed and his athleticism and his production. Okay. All right. These are questions we'll be revisiting in the coming weeks and months. Another question we'll keep talking about is who is going to be at the top of the edge rush class, Jared Verse. We thought he might come out last year. The transfer from Albany had a great first season at Florida State, decided to return. Uh, Again, a lesson that Rick thinks that some quarterbacks should follow. Came back, had two and a half sacks against Florida on Saturday. Where is he? He hasn't been as flashy productive as he was a year ago teams know who he is but i think he's been a really solid player i think we talked about him during the clemson game uh where is jared verse in the pecking order of edge rushers because i know dallas yeah, he played. now when you watch that tape he was a man on a mission his ears were pinned back and i understand florida looks like carolina's offensive line <laughs> but, you know how dare you <laughs> but uh he he played extremely well always plays hard he's explosive uh little tight, uh, maybe not as loose as like a Dallas Turner uh, or a Latou, uh, but this guy is a man on a mission, better than Jermaine Johnson when Jermaine came out. I think he is yeah. uh, a better player and a better pass rusher than Jermaine. I think you have two very good solid years of watching what he can do on tape. So I think to me right now, if I had to stack him, he would be right now number three behind uh, Dallas Turner and behind Latou, if Latou's healthy. Right. And uh, we talked about Chop Robinson out of Penn State. You think he's a little undersized? Is that the concern? Yeah. I, I, I want to see him in person. I haven't seen him okay. in person, but uh, there's some word out on the street that his partner is moving up a lot of draft boards, too. We've talked about Isaac as well. Yes. Adisa yeah. Isaac. Yeah, yeah, great. And also, I'll just mention, because uh, we didn't talk about him during the earlier part of Michigan-Ohio State, but JT Tumaloao. So yeah, that conversation. Yeah, I think he'll be. Uh, there's some mixed reviews on him out there, uh, but some teams have him in the first. I hear other teams may not have him until early second. Yeah, but I think because he's, as you want to say, more disruptive than productive. But he played well in the Ohio State game. Watching that game, made the Michigan game run. Yeah, got some pressure on the quarterback. He showed his speed and athleticism closing to a bubble screen outside and made the play. So I think once teams start getting around him, see his body type, see how he works out, he's going to work out like a phenom that he will definitely be a first-rounder. 
And if I, we have questions on him as a second, they'll change your mind, I think, after the pre-draft process. Okay. I just remember the Penn State game was when we talked about him because of the fashion matchup. And it felt like when he was playing over the right tackle, he wasn't nearly as productive somehow as when he moved over to the left tackle. He sort of rose to the challenge. Yeah, well, he did that last year, too. That was his yeah. most productive game. I mean, he had like 22 sacks and 62 tackles and 62 that's, batted balls in one game. That's that was good. his most productive game. If you want to see him at his best, go back to the 2022 Penn State game. So I guess that's the lesson. He he only plays up to Pro Bowl-type competition, which is a good, a good concern to have. Yeah, but even in that Penn State game, Fashanu, he did a uh, one-arm uh, speed-to-power move and walked Fashanu right back into the quarterback without any hesitation at all. Right. No, I like him. Uh, he reminds me a little bit in terms of the draft prospects of Tuli, Tuli Pelotu out of USC, who was a second-round. He what? Plays harder. Oh, that's a that's a big, a big thing. But he ended up going in round two. We talked to him at the combine, and I thought, you know, we liked him. I didn't know yeah. if he'd sneak into the round one, but in retrospect, we both. Well, had we him didn't go. know if he was going to play inside or outside. If teams were going to put, you know, twenty pounds on him, or they weren't keeping him as an edge guy. That's true too. So I think we the- know that um, JT's playing five or wider. Yeah, yeah. He's not okay. going to play five. He's going to play wide. Okay. All right, Debo. We want to take a quick break here, or we want to keep going. Let's break. All right, let's take a quick break. When we come back, job like filling in as a supporting actor on this college kids. That was good. You were only mean twice. I counted. (laughs) So that's great. We're gonna take a quick break. When we come back, we'll talk about the rookie quarterbacks and grade them right after this. Did you know that while over sixty percent of Americans dream of starting their own business, less than twenty percent of them take the first step. The reason: building a business is tough. Taylor Brands is simplifying the business journey from launching and managing. To grow in your business, Taylor Brands isn't just another tool. It's your online business partner from launch to success. With Taylor Brands, building your dream business becomes an effortless experience. Their comprehensive platform guides you through every step, ensuring you have everything you need in one place. From LLC formation to bookkeeping, invoicing to acquiring licenses and permits, and even setting up your bank account, Taylor Brands handles it all seamlessly. And our listeners will receive 35% off Taylor Brands LLC formation plans using our link, taylorbrands.com slash CBS Sports. That's T-A-I-L-O-R-B-R-A-N-D-S dot com slash CBS Sports. So start your business journey today with Taylor Brands. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, You transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. All right, we're back. Going to talk about these rookie quarterbacks. So I did get a chance to go back and watch the the rookies this morning. 
And uh, I guess we should start with Frank Reich because he got fired after that game. Got fired after 11 games, and that's two games fewer than Urban Meyer got with Jacksonville. And that's not something you want to have to put at the top of the resume. He's the only coach, or you have to go back to before 1970, the only coach to be fired in back-to-back years. Also not something at the top of the resume. And in retrospect, it feels like both Frank and Bryce were set up to fail. Offensive line sinks, no one's getting open, yada, yada, yada. Like you haven't had to deal with this in your line, you know, your 30 years in the NFL frequently, I don't think. I don't know even if at all where you have to fire a coach in year one. But I guess the first question I want to ask you is how do you navigate an owner who is so hands-on and wants things a certain way and comes from a, a line of work where he was makes his money because he has information and he likes to know everything that's going on when he's making the soup, so to speak. And then it comes back to what feels like on the outside looking in knee-jerk reactions to try to fix things and seems to make things worse. Yeah, it depends on the relationship you have with the owner. That's critical. And if you can actually talk through and and understand what the issues are and are they fixable or not, but uh, the ownership in Carolina seems to be that if he doesn't feel it's working – I don't know if he talks to anyone within the building. I don't know if he talks to Scott Fritterer or not. But when he makes his mind up, he makes his mind up, and he's going to do what he wants to do, and he has a right to do that. He's the owner. But yeah. that's a lot of coaches since he's taken ownership of the Carolina Panthers that he's been through. And then the question is, does anyone want to go down there knowing the stability and the continuity is probably – not the same there as it is at other teams. No, that's a that's the other point, right? Who wants this job? And that's becomes a problem when you're not sure that you want to take a. It's a, there are only 32 of these jobs, and then you end up taking one, and it's not the right fit. And then it could set your career back if you're trying to get to that position because things go sideways. You get fired, whatever. I think who do we say Ben Johnson withdrew from this instead of D'Amico the year before? Yeah. Yeah, somewhere I think Ben Johnson in this cycle will, and I think he's from that area, if I'm not mistaken. Okay. So I, I don't know, you know, what Mr. Tepper is going to be looking at for the next head coach, but whatever they're doing, they need to change their process. Yeah, it's it's tough. It's tough all around. It's tough for the – so Scott Tabor, the special teams coordinator, was named the interim coach, and then according to reports, he fired two more guys, Josh McCown and Deuce Staley. And I heard, I read that that was common. Is that common for an interim coach to come in and start firing people? Well, it, again, it's directive of the ownership. Okay. And if I'm going to take this interim job, then give me, let me make the decisions I gotcha. need to, make to try to make it work. So it looks like Thomas Brown's going to be calling plays. He called plays for a few games. Frank Reich took the game, took the play calling back. Things did not improve. In fact, you could argue they got worse. So that's yeah, the situation in Carolina. Caldwell is going to have more of an input as well because he's down there as an offensive analyst or advisor, whatever his title is. Right. Jim Caldwell. A bigger impact. I think that's true, too. And that was one of the selling points, I think, initially back when Frank Reich was hired, that he has his all-star cast of coaches, and that hasn't worked out. And I don't know, man. Like I don't know who the firm that Mr. Tepper used to hire these guys he should ask for his money back there. I think sometimes we overcomplicate it, but whatever. Uh, until David Tepper calls me, 
that's will be a conversation between me and you about what I think should happen down there. In terms of Bryce Young, 18 to 31, 194 yards. He had to run for 23 yards. He might be, I mean, I'm not even joking. He might be the most dynamic player on this team offensively, like his ability to win with his legs. That's not where you want to be. Uh, got strip sacked there uh, on a play, he held the ball at the end of the first half, and that sort of turned the game around. It always seems to be one play or two plays that cost this team the game. Uh, Bryce had a couple turnover-worthy plays that I saw, but also made I, – I think he's making inter- incremental improvements in terms of his accuracy. In made terms of tight window throws. T- and he's only going to make tight window throws with this cast of characters running routes. And let's just be honest. DJ Shark had a nice – they ran a, da- a dagger concept at the end where he ran that big end and they caught that. That was a nice throw. Um, they, <laughs> I was, I'm laughing because it felt like the Titans game plan was to double team Adam Thielen and make him go somewhere else. And then, then things got a little muddy for, for Bryce, but I, I feel like he's improving, but until they blow this thing up and start over, I don't know who Bryce is going to be. Yeah. They don't have a run game still. That's an issue. Miles Sanders been a UFA bus for the money that they paid him. Uh, it was interesting on the plays that I watched. He went. Bryce went two for two when they used play action pass and he was great outside the pocket. He was two for three when they used some kind of play action RPO um, stuff that he did in college. And then they consistently knock their head against a brick wall because then they just have him sit in a pocket, do shotgun. They have 1.5 seconds before he has to run around and try to make something happen. That's not what this kid does best. And sometimes when you marry up, that's why it's so important when you go through this process. And I've been through it and seen the mistakes personally. Uh, if you're not going to scheme what this quarterback does well. And I heard uh, one of the insiders down in Carolina on an interview is that during the OTAs, that's what they were doing. They were throwing shots down the field. They were getting them outside the pocket that all of a sudden they went conservative and doing what they're doing now, which is totally different than why they were so excited and what he showed during OTAs on people that uh, saw OTA practices. So for whatever reason, I don't know why, but it is what it is. So this poor kid, what he's been through. One thing I do know, Bryce is as mentally tough as any kid I've ever been around. And I know that he will come back stronger from this. And if they can get some stability and an offense that fits what his skill set is tailored to do, that he will be very successful quarterback in this league. So we're going to talk about some of the rookie non-quarterbacks who played well this week, too. As I mentioned, Debo insisted that Jalen Carter make the list. But another name that made the list was Rashi Rice. And I was watching Rashi Rice's targets. And, uh, you know, that's like watching two different games, watching all the pre-snap movement and all the ways they get guys open, and all the ways they identify what the defense is trying to do before the snap to help Patrick Mahomes out. And then you watch Carolina, and it's like they're like, let's see how quickly we can get Bryce hit. <laughs> well, <laughs> it's even when you watch their offense, they'll send a guy in motion, then they all stay still. <laughs> and they just line up and stop. There's no continuous motions or no this or that. Just off of you know my uh, untrained eye as a coach, but just my casual observation, it's just a just – and you're right. Watch C.J. Stroud. Watch all the stuff they do with him, how they scheme guys open. Like I said, watch what the Atlanta does down there with the play actions and the things like that. So imagine if Bryce was in Atlanta. Do you think it would be a different story we're talking about instead of going back to Desmond Ritter? 
yes, it would be a very different story. Um, just so you know, Pete Prisco was on HQ yesterday saying that Carolina took the wrong player. It's clear and obvious. I'm telling you right now. So just so you know, they took the wrong I player. Tell him to take his little shovel that he does on one of his segments and, and uh, <laughs> bury himself. Bury himself. All right, let's talk about the quarterback on the other side of the field, Will Levis, 18 to 28, 185 yards. Watching Will, watching the the plays they dialed for Will Levis, either they don't trust Will Levis or they don't trust the offensive line or maybe some combination of both. A lot of flats, a lot of outs. Uh, the very first throw he made, that little uh, middle of the field throw to DeAndre Hopkins, was a nice throw. And after that, he wasn't asked to do a whole bunch. Uh, he's getting lit up just like Bryce Young is getting lit up, so it's hard to get a real read on on who he is. He had a couple turnover-ready throws. They weren't intercepted. But I, I don't know if he's getting better or not, but I, I think – they have to find out who they have in Will Levis, and he hasn't played terribly. I, I give him credit for being tough and having a strong arm and and um, trying to do the things he's capable of doing, but I don't know if there's any real takeaway from this game that we didn't already know. The one thing that I did notice is that that arm strength is second to none. Yeah. And some of the throws he made on some of those out routes or some of those deep in routes, those are on a rope. And he did make some tight window throws. I just think that he has all those tools. I'm just curious that is he going to get better when he is off schedule? Because if he is off schedule and sometimes can't set his feet in the pocket, uh, a couple of times he used his arm, made some nice throws, but he just needs to be a quarterback that I don't want to say too robotic, but just let it. And I don't know if he has this in him or not. But when you have to make an off-schedule throw, you have to get outside the pocket or you have to do this, it seems like all of a sudden it becomes way more mechanical than when he's just sitting in the pocket and he has time and he can fire the ball. Do you think you want to apologize to me for last Thursday's redraft show where I had him going seven to the Raiders? Do you still hate that pick? Yes. Okay. No, I'm not apologizing for that. I think they would. But I did it nicely. You did do it nicely. That's, That's apology enough. Apology accepted, Rick. (laughs) <laughs> All right, next up, C.J. Stroud. Um, bounce back from the three-interception performance uh, to go 26-36 to for 304 with two touchdowns. I mean, this guy is one of the best running quarterbacks in the league. And we saw- well, what do you think if we would have saw that at Ohio State? <laughs> oh, my God. Frank Reich would still have a job. Yeah. Uh, he had some turnover-worthy plays, but did not have a turnover. Uh, on the other side, Trevor Lawrence had at least one pick that I remember. I think he outplayed. Trevor, but they, they they end up losing that game. But um, man, this is the guy's a, a fantastic. He's a top ten quarterback, and he's in the MVP conversation. Dynamite. Now I don't think he'll be in the. Uh, I don't think he'll win the MVP. It's already a lock that he's walking away with the Rookie of the Year award. That's that. There's no doubt. Who's about winning that. the MVP? You think? Hmm. I mean, exactly. Maybe Josh Allen, but that team's not going to make the playoffs. No. No. I can't take anyone from Philly just out of spite. <laughs> Jalen Carter, that's who's going to win it. Yeah. Now, how about uh, Christian McCaffrey? He's been hurt. I mean, I think Brock Purdy, as a as a case, he should be in the conversation. Yeah. Well, three weeks ago, Pete was putting his shovel and putting dirt on him, burying Purdy for all the interceptions. But uh, CJ Stroud is special, and I think again, he gets a ton of credit. Bobby Sloat gets a ton of credit. And as we were talking yeah, about with the what are they doing on that fourth and one, why do they just run the ball and get the first down? 
they threw the ball down the field. I don't understand that. So here are the um the MVP odds Debo put up on the screen here. At the top, Jalen Hurts. That's interesting. Now, Christian McCaffrey. Debo did this last night. Oh, he, he did it last night. Yeah, this is his stat. Is it's oh, there's CJ. CJ's plus two thousand, which is uh the same as Trevor Lawrence and the same as Josh Allen. Interesting. Brock Purdy has shorter odds at plus fourteen hundred. So the top three are Jalen. Mahomes and Dak. Dak is actually having a really good season too. So I he think is. Dak I, and Lamar are probably my favorites. What do you think? I'm going to put a dollar on Christian McCaffrey so I can win $3,000. All right, that's fine. You know, it's funny. People in the comments are trying to, I think I said this already, trying to explain how how the uh, betting odds works. You don't get 3000 for a dollar. So I think Rick knows that. It but says plus 3000 It says plus 3000 Doesn't say anything about how much it's put down. 30000 Thirty thousand. There you go. But uh, yeah, 3, see, plus three zeros. No, I'm saying you win thirty thousand, Rick. You win even more money. Yeah. If I put a dollar down on him, yeah, okay. it might be three hundred thousand. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, you could you could quit one of your side jobs if you win this Christian McCaffrey bet. Yeah, I wonder why I'm not on any betting shows. <laughs> <laughs> Trust me, you could be, uh, given how some of these characters are. But uh, yeah, CJ remains. Any concerns with CJ Stroud? Uh, some, he's just a little bit more loose, uh, yeah. th- but, uh, with his decision-making now that he's, you know, but you can't take that away from his, the aggressiveness that he plays with because that wins games for him as well. So the only thing that I would say, I was just looking here through my notes is there were two twenty four left in the game. He took a sack. You can't yeah. take a sack there. It was a screen, but just throw it away or throw it into the dirt towards the receiver. Those are little things that he'll learn as he continues to go on. Uh, so there, there are still learning lessons that he's going through, but everything says that uh, this kid's going to be special going forward. Rick, I have a, I have a question. Um, we've heard this story before, but it's emerged really like in, in the past week, uh, the connection between Stroud and, and Tank Dell and how after the Texans drafted Stroud, he really advocated for them to draft Dell. Did that ever happen with you? How would you respond if like a player did suggest or recommend you, you taking a player down the, the draft order a little bit? Yeah. No, I don't know where the connection was. Maybe they worked out together uh, during the uh, pre-draft process. You know, all these kids go to these mm-hmm. training centers. And so maybe he was at a training center and tank kind of stuck out to him. Um you know, we've talked to some players. Uh, we've talked to people at these training centers, you know, because you're just trying to gather as much information. Does it have – is it the final decision? No. Uh, but we do try to dig as much. Now, whether that had an influence on Nick Cesario and why he took Tank Dow, I'm sure they had equal grades on him that they liked him as well. But maybe it's a uh, affirmed what they thought because maybe CJ said his guy, and I don't know, I'm just putting words into CJ's mouth. Maybe <laughs> he, he was the hardest working kid there. He's an exceptional route runner out of X, Y, and Z that were at this training center. Tank Dow was the best out of those. And the Tank Dow was the best with the work habits, doing everything that was right. So who knows? But those are something that may have come up in conversations. And we said they were together a lot at the Combine. Um, and, and I think oh. that started it. They said they followed each other on Instagram and communicated a little bit. But the the day that the Texans drafted day one that they drafted Stroud, Tank was in Stroud's DMs saying, tell them to come get me. 
Oh, well, that's, yeah, that's, that, that won't have an influence on the front office or not, but some of those connections could be made like I described earlier, but hmm. that, that, that wouldn't, if we drafted someone and then he comes up and, you know, I'm not, I'm sure CJ didn't go running up to Nick right away. Hell, you just got drafted. Are you going to tell me what to do now? You've been in the NFL for one hour. Face of the franchise. You didn't uh, know that back then. That's true. Uh, Rick, let me ask you this too, by the way, we're talking about the, the Texans and their success. I, we talked about this. I feel like we talked about it in, in the summertime, but it just shows how important it is to get the coaching hire right. Because D'Amico Ryans has been more than anything, feels like a, a good leader for that locker room. We're talking about the Carolina Panthers now in terms of what they should do. And that's the toughest thing. Is there a way to identify that sort of thing that you see in D'Amico or maybe Mike Tomlin or, or, Kyle Shanahan in a different vein. Like, how do you, how do you identify that when you're trying to find a coach, yeah, or is it teams, tough? Yeah, teams go through different processes on how they identify that. Whether they're using a search firm, but the search firm, I don't know if they just give them the initial list. Um, a lot of these coaches may, you know, some teams I'm hearing are giving them different types of tests, like you do players. Oh, okay. It's just like trying to evaluate players. You're trying to evaluate coaches as well and doing all the research you do. I mean, I've been through when we have a head coaching board, just like our draft board. And, what? And go through, you know, all the areas that we want to check and what we want to make sure that we have answers to. Uh, there's, a, you know, the processes have really expanded now. There's a lot more people in the organization than this maybe the GM and the uh, ownership group. I don't know how all of the teams do it. But I know some of the teams are way more expanded on having more input from other people in the building, just trying to get it right. Yeah. So coaching board. So what was Zimmer's 40 time? <laughs> <laughs> he must have ran a 4-4. That's interesting. Um, uh, one last thing on this, then we'll move on. One of the pet peeves that I have is just someone that casually watches the game is that sometimes it feels like when you hire a coach, you confuse – the success as a coordinator with the success of being able to manage people and it doesn't always work out. Is that something you guard against? Or you're just like, Hey, this guy's great to call in place. He'll be great. No, because no, okay. guys are great coordinators and not great head coaches because it's a whole different, you have to right. deal with a thousand different things. When you're a coordinator, you're dealing with your group and your game plan, but to oversee the whole football side of things, it's, it can be uh, overwhelming for some, some coaches. Exactly. And that's a, that's a concern. Not overwhelmed. Tommy DeVito should have been drafted. It turns out uh, he continues to win football games, 17, 25, 191 had a touchdown. <laughs> this guy's going to set the sack record in about a handful of games. <laughs> He's been sacked so many times, sacked nine times last week, sacked six times on Sunday does not matter. Uh, I mean, this is a fun story and maybe this is a case of a guy who earns a living as a backup because of these games, because he's shown the ability to do it. Is there any other takeaway beyond that? I mean, he's not going to be a starter at any point, right? No, he, th he made some nice throws. Uh, you've seen some of the arm strength and some of the tight window throws that he did. I think he's still a little hesitant getting through his reads and his progressions. That's why he holds the ball some, why he gets sacked some. Uh, a lot of times if his number one target isn't there or he didn't predetermine the throw, uh, there were some guys underneath that he could have checked the ball down to that he didn't. So I think that's part of the experience. Uh, he moves around, but I wouldn't call him a unique athlete uh, or true scramble threat. 
But I said he's proving through these games that he probably will end up being a solid two. Uh, but I would not consider him a one. And in this game, I thought he looked better than both uh, Mac Jones and Billy Bailey Zappy. Billy Zappy works yeah. as well. That uh, that organization. I don't know what's going on with the with the um, with the Patriots for sure. But hey, solid number two is a no one saw that coming, right? No, and and that's why you, you never know. You never know. And credit never, to Tommy D for taking advantage of the opportunity and, and stepping up. And and you wouldn't have said that when he came in and had minus nine yards passing in his, who was that, in the Snoopy Bowl versus the Jets? Yeah, the weather, whatever. Yeah. Back 40 Man. Years, 50 years. Yeah, at least. All right. Second quarterback, Debo notes, this is the second quarterback since 70, 1970, to win back-to-back starts despite getting sacked 15-plus times. Mark Burnell did it back in 2001. Where did Mark Burnell go to college? Oh, Washington State? Yeah, I think that's right. I think it was Washington State. Either Washington or Washington State. That state. Washington, the Huskies. Okay, yeah, I think so. All right. Good call. All right, let's do the top five rookies. No surprise, C.J. Stroud's on this list. He is going to be my number one ranked player. I'll go through the rankings here, and then, Rick, we can talk about him. Number two, Bijan. Uh, turns out Arthur Smith figured out he is, in fact, good. Um. I'll get to the, the Bichon touchdown catch in a second and the interception in which I don't know what Des Ritter's doing half the time, but that's a conversation for a moment. Jalen Carter, I'll put him at number three for Debo's sake. Then Rashi Rice, 10 catches, 107 yards, and Jalen Hyatt finally makes the list. Let him run some go routes and some good throws from Tommy D, who we just talked about, um, and he looked pretty good. All right. CJ, we talked about. Can I ask, do you and Debo do this in a conspiracy thing or behind a, a uh, how would you, a, a coup behind my back on how you guys rank these rookies? I know I'm just a supporting actor on the show, but it sounds like there's a coup going on on how the rookies <laughs> are ranked week in and week out. Typically, I watch them and then I rank them after I watch them. But since I was um, not feeling great. I, I, I watched them this morning, so I'm I'm doing them on the fly. Do you want to? Yeah. How about this? You rank you rank yours too. So give me your rankings. This, this was started to take you know just one more homework assignment off of Rick's plate, right, Ryan? Like that's how we came to this agreement to have you rank it and not have him rank it week to week. I missed that staff meeting. I, I I'm sorry. <laughs> oh yeah, we scheduled a call and everything. <laughs> you're on the wrong. You're on the wrong. I think you guys have staff meetings behind my back. I, I kind of feel like. Uh, you guys are like um, you, you're doing a lot of cool things behind. Me. We, we sent <laughs> you the link, but you entered uh, you entered the stream from June, so that's not our fault. <laughs> Rick, I would like to take this opportunity to let you rank the the rookies. So give me no, your ranking. No, I am not. I, now you won't do it. <laughs> this is like the plus minus guy. Line in the sand. I have integrity. <laughs> <laughs> I think you would agree that CJ's number one, and it, is yes. Bijan not number two? Yes. Okay, so we're we're fine there. Let's talk about Bijan quickly. Um, he does Bijan things. He had a couple drops on uh, one was a screen and one was a little angle route. And the angle route it looked like Des Ritter threw a fastball. Yeah, the screen was not. I mean, that was a hard catch. The other yeah. one, you know, he just dropped it. But for some reason, they found out that why they drafted this kid eighth overall is if you get the ball in his hands. Not that I'm brilliant at this football stuff, but it seems like good things happen. And it's very similar to what you saw when he was at Texas. So uh, whatever was going on, why he wasn't getting the snaps or they were splitting time with Algier and, you know, 
And it's good to have an Algier come in or a, a CP Cordero Patterson. Yeah, come. he got a little little run too. Yeah, but to give him a blow. But this kid's special as a as a, and he's not just a running back. And that wheel route, I know Oof. you wanted to talk about that out of the backfield for the uh, for for the what was it? How far was that? Twenty six yard touchdown. It's uh, it's incredible that when you actually have good players and you use them how much success you could potentially have in this league. Yeah, going back to your original point, I mean, Bryce Young would probably kill some people to be on this team to be able to have these opportunities to throw to these these players. Uh, credit to Des Ritter on that wheel route throw to, to Bijan. I don't know if it was on purpose or not, but that was a great off-platform throw right in the old breadbasket, and Bijan won early on that route, and the linebacker had no early, chance. It was 10 yards down the field before anyone was in within any, anywhere near him. Before the linebacker had the O- Oh my God! Moment that I'm supposed to be covering this guy, and I don't have a chance. So Bijan's number two. Who do you want to be number three? Jalen? No. Rushy? Yes. Okay, let's go Rushy. So here's uh, we talked about him earlier too, just in terms of how they try to orchestrate that offense to get people open. They get him the ball. They get the ball in his hands and let him do the rest. Um, I think he had one one route down the field where he was wide open. They blew a coverage on a, on a drag route. And another time he was a, he ran a drag route where it was man. And he won early off the line of scrimmage. They had a little bunch formation and it feels like he's coming into his own. Like I didn't love Rashid getting drafted this high coming out. I thought he timed faster than he played, but he seems to be coming along. They it's called, they don't have to think anymore. They know what okay. the heck they're doing and the rapport he's starting to build with Mahomes. Uh, on another side job that I do, we had uh, an insider from Kansas City on that, and they said, watch the second half of the year that Rasheed mm. Price is going to become another option b- besides a guy named Kelsey. And you're starting to see that uh, take take shape now. Uh, I was like- the, the other thing that surprised me about Rasheed is that his run after catch ability, because he's getting the ball upfield quickly after the catch. He has some elusiveness, but his size is showing up. He's starting to run through contact or running to get extra yards after the initial hit. So I think this kid's really starting to come into his own. Yeah. I'm good for him too, because, you know, we saw him at the senior bowl and I was like, yeah, he's not getting separation on the one-on-one drills. And even he had a contested catch down the sidelines at the end of that game. It, it wasn't separation, but he he's a big body and he made a tough catch on the sidelines. So credit to him for that. But I'm interested to see how they continue to use him going forward because they're going to need him. Uh, as was evidenced by game before last when MVS has, you know, didn't catch the ball that was thrown right to him unless you're Pete Prisco, who thinks the ball was overthrown. Another receiver, New York Jets, New York Giants, excuse me, Jalen Hyatt. He's he, number four. He's number race. four. Okay. So I think we're, we're seeing how this is going, Debo. Five catches, 109 yards, and he is a deep threat. And we saw him make some deep throws. He also had a contested catch towards the end of that game. Um, is this another example of a guy just figuring things out because he wasn't used early in the season? Yeah, he's just playing free and easy now. And he knows what he does well. And they're trying to figure out. They finally know they know what he does well, which I'm sure that uh, they did when they drafted him. But the great catch along the sideline to look that in on a go ball and to keep his feet in bounce. And uh, Tommy DeVito seems to have confidence in him because I don't think <laughs> – any of the other quarterbacks really threw the ball down the field. Now, whether that was play calling or what it was, but DeVito, he knows he's not maybe ever going to be a, another legit or another starter. And so he's taking advantage of this opportunity and he's kind of like 
hey, I'm going to take my shots. And this kid, he's taking his shots to this kid. And this kid is showing that he has big playability down the field. Yeah, I'm happy for him, too, because you were skeptical during the draft process if he was just a one-year wonder. He's actually having a better year than Cedric Tillman. Now, the Browns don't have a quarterback either, so, you know, you can make a case for that. But um, I'm happy for Jalen Hyatt. All right, last, and in Rick's mind, the least, Jalen Carter, number five. Um, <laughs> he, had, he had an opportunity for a sack, and I don't know if anyone's talked about this. At the end of the first half, he won. He had his hands on Josh Allen, but it looked like, looked like he hurt his left wrist. Like he, he ran past Josh Allen, and I rewound it a couple of times and said, what's going on there? And he got hurt somehow. He was back in a few plays later, but uh, that's when they had that touchdown drive at the end of the first half. So I'm not sure what happened there. But, Rick, what did you see from Jalen Carter, Debo's favorite player for the Eagles? If he ever used his hands to wrap someone up, he may be, have more, way more production than he has. There's no question about the strength. He needs to be more consistent getting off blocks. I don't know how much run production he let go by him when he's right there, but when he does, he's a beast. Uh, the pass rush stuff, you know, when he goes, he goes now. He has a strong club move to the inside. That's how he beat that guard. That's how he, you know, fell off of that sack. He can create pressure when he wants to. Sometimes it looks like he'll take it down off or two. Um, and then the biggest thing, probably why Debo put him on there, is he won the game because he blocked the damn field goal. <laughs> uh, that was a great was, block, by the way. It was a great block, and he's a very good football player, but – I didn't see him as a top five rookie this this week, except for the blocked. I, w- I will note that uh, Osiris Torrance was the one that he beat with the arm over. He played a pretty good game against uh, Jalen, all things considered. Another rookie. Yes, he did. Yep. So credit to him for that. Uh, also, I took great pleasure in watching Jordan Davis try to run down Josh Allen to the sidelines. Uh, what, 16 miles an hour, Debo? Yeah. Jordan hit 16 miles an hour. I think Josh maxed out at 18 and changed. But that's – you don't see people on planet Earth that typically move that way, and they have two of them in Jordan Davis and, and – Yeah, Carter. but it took him, you know, 20 minutes to catch his breath and get back over to the <laughs> hey, side. he blew a tire. He was going too fast. He blew a tire. All right, we'll take a quick break. We'll come back. We're going to wrap this up quickly, looking at the draft order and focusing on what the commander should do with that top five pick right after this. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire. By famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. All right, Rick, let's wrap this bad boy up here. I'll read the draft order as it currently stands, and we'll go from there. The Bears have the first overall pick, thanks to the Carolina Panthers. Number two, the Arizona Cardinals. The three are the New England Patriots. 
Four Chicago remains there despite their win, 12-10 over the Vikings on Monday Night Football. Then there's Washington, number five, the Giants, six, Tampa Bay, the Jets, the Chargers, and then Tennessee wraps things up at number 10. Let's assume that Chicago can't trade out of the number one pick. That's not going to be the case, but let's just assume. And Justin Fields continues to make progress. Would you just take Marvin Harrison Jr. there? I would, but I don't think they'll pass Caleb Williams. Yeah, I don't either. But I think there's an opportunity for that. I don't think Marvin gets past if this draft order a discussion in a building, but I don't think they pass Caleb Williams. Yeah. I don't think if the draft order stays currently the way it is, I don't think Marvin gets past number two. No. It feels like Kyler's their guy. Kyler has a new contract. The other thing we'll be talking to death about the Justin Fields situation is that he's going into year four next year. Then there's the fifth year option. Then you got to pay him. And they may not want to do that. Um, I would imagine those are conversations you have when you're sorting things out, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. All right. So down there at number five, the commanders traded their two best players, two of their best players in Chase Young and Montez Sweat at the trade deadline. So they have a ton of draft picks coming their way. But currently at number five, they're going to be in line for not one of the top two quarterbacks, um, but they can get an offensive lineman if they want, or they can get an edge rusher if that's the direction they want to go. Marvin Harrison will also be out of the conversation. Um, what are you thinking here if you're Washington in terms of what you want to do? And also, Jaden Daniels could be here if we continue to talk him up in the manner no. that I think he should be. No. Rick says no. So what are you doing here? No, if you're I think they're going to go with Sam Howell. I think Sam Howell is uh... – had a good year. I think they have two other needs that either uh, Fashanu, uh, Fashanu, whatever is it Fashanu? Yep, was, you got it. Fashanu or uh, maybe a Dallas Turner, uh, but they have to go offensive tackle or edge here. One of those two, and that will be debated in the uh, draft rooms. But I think they're either going to lean towards the, if the tackles there or if the best edge rushers there. You got to look at the depth as you go down through. So where's our next pick? If we can't get the, if we can't get an edge rusher at our next pick, let's go edge. If we can get a tackle and vice versa. So they have pick five, they have pick 36, pick 38 from the bears, pick 70, and then pick 100 from the 49ers compensatory pick. So that's five picks out of the top 100. And you can do a lot of good with those five picks, but you got to get them right. So five and 36, Offensive tackle, edge rush is the is the math there. I think you go offensive tackle first and circle back for edge rusher. Okay. Well, that's your opinion. Well, how deep is this offensive tackle class compared to the edge rush class? That's why I say I that. Oh, yeah. We still got a ways to go. Oh, I know. I know it all. So let me tell you. Okay. So the offensive tackle class, we know about our guy, Fashanu, uh, Fashanu, and then, of course, Joe Walt. J.C. Latham, your guy. Amarius Mims who's inexperienced, but he's probably going to get drafted pretty high because he, he looks the part. Uh, Fuaga out of Oregon State. I don't know if you have a chance to see him yet. We talked about Jordan Morgan out of Arizona, who feels like he'll be there probably closer to 36 than five. Um, Tyler Guyton out of Oklahoma feels like he's probably closer to day two guy. And then uh, Patrick Paul, the player you despise the most in this draft class. <laughs> what about the Washington kid? And the Washington kid. I haven't even watched him yet. Have you watched him? Yeah, he may be looked at as a guard. I just saw one game on him when I was okay. – um, but we got to do some more research on these tackles. But so that's uh, the tackle cool. class, and then the edge class: Jared first, Chop, Latu, Dallas Turner, Tumaloal. Then, then it gets a little thin after that. Braylon Trice out of Washington. Um, Watch after, this Arkansas kid, too. 
there's some rumblings on him. I haven't done him yet, but there's an edge rusher from uh, Arkansas that you need to do. Okay. So, yeah, to your point, it's early in the process, even though I say I know everything. It turns out I don't. Early in the process, but I, I think the combination between five and 36, and then, gosh, you're then it. So let's say at five, you take the edge rusher. You have 36, 38, 70, and 100. You could use some of those picks to get back into the first round if you're dying to. And yep. I, I guess those are conversations you're having too, because you've been known to trade back into the first round of time or two. Yes. It, it's uh, because of that fifth year option, right? Uh, which is valuable. So, but I think you have to identify your needs and you can get a lot of good players with those picks in the top hundred. And depending on where your needs are and where the depth of the draft is, once you set your, your draft board, you may sit there and, and know, and I can swing back and fill this need, this need with very good football players. So, uh, there'll be a lot of conversations going on about that, but if there is a unique player that you can't believe is still sitting on the board, that you may uh, get aggressive to go up and get him if you think he's that unique. What about this? Hold on to your stress ball. Brock Bowers at five. No. Too rich? Too rich. For for Washington, they have too many other bigger needs. And yeah. if you have the tackle there and the edge rusher and – Bowers is, I think, a unique player for his position. But you, if you can't keep Howe upright because he, he should be on a sleep number commercial too for as much as he's on his back. <laughs> That's pretty funny. That's a good one. <laughs> uh, also, Emmanuel Forbes there, who they drafted 16th overall, I believe, uh, middle of the first round. He's struggled. He has not been yet the player they hope to be. They do need help at cornerback, so maybe that's something they consider, not at five, but 36, 38, uh, maybe later. And th those are conversations we'll sort out as we get through this draft process here. But um, all right, Rick, you're on the record. Offensive tackle or edge rush here, you're leaning towards Dallas Turner. And uh, I don't know if Foshinu will be there at five, so maybe they have to go edge rusher and then circle back at 36 or 38 or trade up to get that offensive tackle there. All right. Anything else you'd like to add? No. Uh, I hope you uh, get better because yeah, I've never seen a guy milk an injury or milk a sickness as much as you do during a show. It's incredible. <laughs> How frustrating was it for you when players that you thought weren't injured were injured? Yeah, it, it's yeah, it's part of the business. I'll just say that. <laughs> hey, I showed up. I showed up. I didn't give 100%, but I showed up. How about that? Yeah. Like, no, that count for anything, Scotty Pippen? Yeah, no, that's fine. Yeah, suck it up. Let's go. <laughs> my God. Yeah. And that my message. Mother, yeah, my mother has the flu, but she's here cooking dinner on Sundays. Your mom, your grandma, your mom has the flu? No. Oh, okay. She would, though. No, your mom's tough. She's how, 90? 82. 82. Oh, okay. Sorry, I didn't mean to say she was 90. She's 82. Okay. Please. She's spring chicken. All right. That message of hope has been brought to you by Dr. Spielman. Check out his podcast on medical advice, uh, wherever you get your podcast. That's it. That's a wrap on episode 101. Thanks to all you guys who watch and listen and comment. We appreciate you as always. Thanks to my guy, Rick, and thanks to Debo for producing. And we'll see you guys later this week.
baseball has begun, which means you need to listen to Fantasy Baseball Today in 5, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network. Join Scott White, Chris Towers, and me, Frank Samphill, every Monday through Saturday as we deliver all of your fantasy baseball needs in just five minutes. We'll break down the biggest performers, news, and prospects who could make an impact this season. Make sure to download and follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, the Odyssey app, and everywhere else podcasts are found.